Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Or to find a balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence My name is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. The music you were listening to at the beginning of the show is I Sense Your Presence. It's by Shemshai. And I want to extend a welcome to everybody that's joining us here today, whether you're coming on for the very first time or whether you listened to the show before and you love what we do here and you're, you're coming back to see what we're doing today. Um, we do stream live in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Ken, also known as Parent Counters Network, and I welcome everybody that's listening through those channels as well. Here at Activating Compassion Radio, I look at the different ways that compassion exists in our lives, how to remove our blocks, resistances, frustrations, and more. Some weeks I'm discussing different aspects of how compassion is in our lives, how it affects our lives, the different areas of compassion. Some weeks I'm doing different exercises and practical implementations, and many times I've got really Wonderful guests on the show. Today, we have a wonderful guest as well, uh, Tina Firewolf, who's be sharing her work with us. And then I also highlight different musical artists along the way. So, for example, in the past, I've had guests like Stephen Halpern, Peter Cater, Joel Matson, Claire Hedin, Bruce Chickzelli, Craig Willis, Carol Grandstaff Moses, Sam Zwitzer, uh, all some really great musical artists doing different things with their work. And then also... This year, I'm coordinating my musical artists around the turnings of the year. So uh, at the spring equinox, we had Woven Green on, Jim and Ashley Cash, really wonderful people, great show if you missed that one. And then also coming up on May Day, I'm going to have Angelia Great coming to me from Ireland, sharing her work and her music. And boy, she's got a beautiful ethereal voice that you don't want to miss. Um, then in my own work, what I do is I focus on helping people find and use compassion in their everyday lives. I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement, and if you've missed that, you can catch it in some of the archive shows uh, very early on when I joined the network, and also on shows where other people have interviewed me. You can catch it there. I've authored four books, the most recent being You, Me, Life Dreams, and its companion workbook, and the first two books, Activating Compassion and its companion workbook. And I've got a fifth book on the way that I'm a co-author on called Embrace Vibes is Divine. And this is really, really great as a 
compilation of different stories of women's journeys and their their path and their travels through kind of like the dark night of the soul, so to say. And uh, it's been amazing working with them, and they're just getting ready to to start working on some of the release for the one of the ebook versions of that. So you can listen and pay attention for the when that comes out. And also, I've created the Compassion Tour, which I'm currently on. So if you hear a little noise in the background, that's because I'm on tour <laughs> and I'm coming to you from the road. Uh, right now, I'm in the Denver, Colorado area, and if you're around that region, you might want to check a out what I've got going on this weekend and next weekend there. I've got some workshops going on. I'm taking some private sessions uh, while I'm in the area, and that's at Nick Knack Nook in Denver. And uh, definitely check them out and and come by and see me. You know, please come by and say hi. Uh, With the Compassion Tour, what I do is workshops, retreats, seminars, book-signing events, fundraising events. Uh, We're building all of these things in. I've been doing some just compassionate healing work along the way. I also take time out to do healing on the earth as I journey, as I travel through different areas and I see what's happening in those areas, I take the time to stop and, and work with different things. I've worked with the oceans, I've worked with the glaciers. Um, I noticed some of the glaciers were getting some snow this year, which was really nice to see after passing through last year and not seeing any snow in Mount Shasta, for example. So uh, lots of things happening with that. Also, a reminder, if you enjoy uh, the show, make sure you tell your friends, your family about it, you know, share it with people because I know when I share the show, there's always somebody that comes back and says, ah, I was just having a conversation about that. Or they come in, they'll, they'll tell me, you know, I was really looking for some information. I'm so glad you shared this. So you never know. You might change somebody's life just by clicking that share button. And they can use the same link to get into the archives as you are using to get into the live show here. And they can also access things through my my uh, page, uh, web page, which is Jesse and Nichols George, the number one dot com. In addition, the show is also available as a podcast through iTunes and TuneIn dot com, and it will be posted on my YouTube channel as well. So there's lots of options depending on what somebody's preference is and things. Now, before we get started, I'd like to delve into a little book called The 72 Names of God, Technology for the Soul. It's by Yehuda Berg. And I love Yehuda. He's a Kabbalah master. And he has this way of taking every, you know, the big giant concepts and putting them into the everyday life scenarios for us. And I love that because it just makes it so relatable. And this also will be posted on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, jessianmicklesgeorge1.com. And you can go back and reflect on this during the week. I know I do. I go back and look at it and go, okay, what was that message for the week? Where am I I focusing this week? And I think it's really great because it gives me always something to keep expanding on. I, I love to delve into deeper and deeper layers every time I go through something. And that's what it does when I when I go through things. So this week's message by Yehuda is letting go. That's the common name of God that he provides. And his little message to start with is, it's often hard to let go of yesterday. We become prisoners to our past. We can't move forward. We can't get beyond past regrets and earlier traumas. Here, we receive the courage to let go. Ready? Sure. And the insight he provides on this is, 
our nature is to hang out. I'm sorry. Our nature is to hang on to our pain and suffering. Our first inclination, when happiness or the hope of a miracle stands before us, is to say it's too good to be true. This kind of consciousness is what prevents miracles and a joy-filled future from materializing in our lives. We cannot have a fulfilling and miraculous future if we're hanging on to an unhappy and cynical past. Nothing more need be said. And the meditation he goes with this, or gives with this is, you let go of everything, period. Now, again, the common name of God that he's sharing with us today is letting go, and the formal name is Yud Yud Lamet. And again, you can check that out, look it up, go back to it during the week on my page of Main Street Universe Path on my website. And um, and just uh, reflect on that. It's a great thought to, to reflect on. Sometimes we just got to make that leap. We got to make that jump. And we get a little bit still. We get a little bit quiet. Sometimes it's easier to make that jump <laughs> in there. Now, a little thought before we go on break and bring our guests on today. And this just kind of gives you a little insight to the direction we're headed on today's show. How often do you find your mind consuming away your day with all of its thoughts? Do you have a hard time just being in stillness? And do you frequently get distracted and then miss out on most of what is right in front of you? I would say that most people are in the space. Few people really sit in presence, whether they are alone or with one another. Interestingly enough, it is that presence we are oftentimes seeking, both with ourselves and with others. Today, it seems that we have put so much emphasis on gadgets, such as computers and cell phones, being up on things and in busy, have-to-get-done spaces. What I'm noticing is that this focus is, is that this focuses on the material world, and it leaves people unfulfilled no matter how much they do. They tend to feel an emptiness and thus seek out immediate gratification through various things that oftentimes become an addiction and feel burned out and overwhelmed. Recently, I've been pondering on some of the concepts of realizing that even when we are involved in our passion and spiritual pursuits, we are still in these spaces, not even aware that we are truly focused perhaps on spirit and have thus gotten disconnected. Even our spiritual work has become material focused, even if it is not monetarily focused for many. Usually, we only see the material connection when looking at money. But even the doing can become materially focused while wrapped in a package of spirit. This also turned me to look at the concept of tithing. And again, we oftentimes associate this with money and some of it's expanded to time or service, but perhaps the real tithing is about giving 10% to spirit. This concept of 10% is mentioned in many spiritual practices and belief systems. And this leads to giving spirit our total undivided attention for an average of two and a half hours a day. Now, I might have just heard a couple of big gasps <laughs> as people say, you know, how on earth can I give that much time to spirit? So then I think you were saying that your TV show, your cell phone conversation, all those types of things are more important than the great divine that gives you everything. 
something to ponder. My experience is that when I take the time for spirit and divine and give it my full attention, I get just as much done. In addition, my mind is clear, things fall into place easier, I'm constantly charged and renewed. This is like plugging a computer or a phone into being recharged. And we need to plug ourselves into what recharges us truly and fully to keep going on Earth. Tina Firewolf is just one person that, through her work as an interface minister, author, photographer, and more, has learned that there is so much more beneath the chatter. And she is on a journey to share what she has learned by the joy of presence. And she calls others to take the time to stop and really be present and still with what is right in front of you. In conversing with some colleagues recently, I asked them of the tough questions that Tina brings to life. Are we not connecting enough? Are we not connecting fully? They too were pondering the same things with life of recent events. And now I am asking Spirit Divine to help me in hiding in full presence and stillness. I know when I do this, there is a peace and joy that flows through me when I do take the time for this space. As much as I walk my talk, even I can catch myself slipping too much into the material world, disconnecting from the very energy that will give me everything that I'm working so hard for. Are you willing to ask the divine for help in staying connected? How much are you tithing to spirit or divine or God, whatever your term is? And how often are you fully present with what you are doing? How often do you get beneath the chatter? This week, our guest is focusing on a component of compassion that's related to the aspect in my book of mind, death, and defense. And this reminds us that to bring the peace and success we so often seek, or even to connect with divine presence, to do anything, it is important for us to get present by looking, listening, and stopping long enough to let go of our barriers. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Tina Firewolf sharing her work in Beneath the Chatter. The song I've got for you during our break is called I See You. And it's by Claire Hadeen. And if you'd like to find out more about Claire's work, you can certainly do so through her website at www.clairehadeen.com. And that's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
Activating Compassion Radio. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George. I'm your hostess today. And you were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called I See You. And you can definitely, again, check out more of Claire's work at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And, you know, if you hear a little noise in the background, don't worry about it. I'm on the road touring, which most people know that's what I'm doing full time now. So, um, you know, sometimes I encounter a little noise in the background. <laughs> it's been gradually settling down here as the show's going on, so we'll see what happens from this point on out. But I am coming to you from the Denver, Colorado area, and uh, that is going to be an amazing time. If any of you are in that region, come and at least say hi. If nothing else, or check out some of the workshops and uh, things that are going on that I'm offering here both this weekend and next weekend. I will be at Knickknack Nook on Friday tonight and then the next two days, Saturday and Sunday, and then Friday night next week and Saturday and Sunday of next week. So come and check out what's happening and what's going on and uh, and join me here in Denver. <laughs> Today what I have is I have Tina Firewolf with me, and she is a speaker, writer, ordained interfaith minister, and facilitator of ancient healing. She is dedicated to igniting everyday enlightenment, she empowers you to know your own spirit and ignites the union with your own fire. Tina works with what she calls the global ancestral energy, and it's highly intuitive, grounded, and real. She has a BS in, in biology and a minor in international studies. And she is a certified science educator, Yusui Reiki master, natural assemblage artist, self-taught photographer, intuitive sound healer, and adventurer. And we're going to be discussing her work today um, and her book, which she's put out, which is called Beneath the Chatter, The Wise Self Awake, 
And you can learn more about Tina's work and what she's doing and what she has going on through her website at www.tinafirewolf.com. And Tina, I just really want to welcome you to Activating Compassion Radio, and it's it's great to have you here, and I really appreciate you giving your time to us today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled to be invited. Thank you. And... You know, it's it's really fun because uh, every now and then I get these these friends that will, you know, send me a message, <laughs> and, and and that's kind of how you came to me. It was really interesting. Was through some people that I know, um, in the in the Asheville, North Carolina area, and um, and so that was very exciting. And and I'm always interested because I think some of the people that I have that refer people to me. Bring me some of the most interesting guests. So I was, I was like, hmm, this is going to be really fun to see what she's going to share with us. And I would love, <laughs> before we get started, because I think they're very cool people, the, the people that recommended you. Um, uh, oh, they, yeah, they kind they're of have, fantastic. I would love to have you start off by sharing about your journey, you know, what brought you into this this work, how did you get the name Firewolf and, and you know, share a little bit about yourself and, and your journey into to this writing the book uh, that you put out. Okay, well, first off, I'll give a little shout out to Sarah and thank her for uh, introducing the two of us. That was a really fun day uh, when I just happened to say, you know, I just love to be on the radio and she's like, I know someone and it just unfolded, as you know, very beautifully. So thanks again for hosting me and uh, and getting to talk about my book Beneath the Chatter, which uh, is very very dear to my heart. It's it's my child. I, I told people I didn't know I was an elephant because it took me so long to birth this book. But um, you know, I think I've I've known since I was about eleven that I was going to write a book. I didn't realize that it was going to take this long to write the book. <laughs> Apparently, you, you have to live the the life before you get to write about it. And um, and the photography portion, because it's a contemplative photography book, I've been taking pictures since I was young as well. And, you know, I just developed a real connection to nature and to the light. So I became very accustomed to moving incredibly slow and just really being very observant, uh, watching watching the, the mood change in nature and grabbing some photos here and there. Now, I mean, I definitely, I, I don't alter my images in any way, and I think people are usually, they either don't believe me or <laughs> or they uh, are shocked, but I really don't alter them in any way, and that means I could take like 600 pictures and I might get one really good one. But I always know when I get a really good one. You know, you have that feeling. And it just sort of snaps, and inside me, I'll hear words, and that's how the writing started. And um, I ignored that urge to write a book for several years, and and you know, I was thinking about the creative process recently, and I'm sure a lot of people are in their own process with that, with being creative and finding that inner voice, but. For me, I find that whatever comes really naturally, we tend to easily avoid or devalue. So, you know, if our gift is speaking or writing or or 
clay craft or whatever, we tend to just, you know, poo-poo that and try to find something else to be good at. And um, we also like to make things really hard, I found. <laughs> at least sometimes I do. So, you know, the journey the journey started when um, when I had sort of entered into life based on everything everybody else was telling me, which I'm not quite sure why I gave in, but around 30, I sort of stepped off my track of really being fluid in life and following my joy, and and I did it very effortlessly. I mean, I I traveled, and I was in marine science, and and so I was doing some really interesting jobs and, and doing a lot of different adventure travel and really just following my heart, and then all of a sudden, around 30 or early 30s, a switch flipped in my head, and it was just kind of like people were suddenly in my head. <laughs> my mom and dad and everybody was in my head telling me how I should be fitting in and, and uh, you know, how I should be finding security and, and what that should look like, and oh, my goodness. And then that, that just kind of took me off track for, for a good eight-year period. But in that eight-year period began all the chatter, and it began – me really having an intimacy with the chatter and understanding myself and the parts of myself in a in a deeper way and one day uh I was sleeping in my loft of my art studio and it was twilight I tell people this story a lot and they just look at me like are you kidding me and I'm like oh I'm not kidding you but I was uh sleeping and there was a pitter-patter rain on the shingles. I will never forget that because it was very peaceful, almost like when you're in a tent and it starts to really lightly rain. And I was sleeping, I mean, really solidly sleeping. And as if a megaphone came out of the sky, I heard really clearly, wake up or you will get cancer. And it was just like a very matter-of-fact voice. And I sat straight up in bed. I felt like a corpse. I sat straight up and out of my sassy mouth comes, who said that? I am awake. And I heard it again, really just very clear and sort of like just it really didn't care if I listened or not, but it was delivering a message, which was wake up or you will get cancer. And I thought in that second, I mean, everything hit me and I knew exactly what I was needing to do and Basically, it was the demantling of my life and just taking it all apart and, and leaving the, quote, security that I had created and, and, and divorcing my husband, which, um, you know, we were best friends, but that was, I always said it was kind of like my brother moved in um, and that, that wasn't really going anywhere and, and on and on and everything just started unwinding and the world of the unseen became real so it wasn't unseen anymore. All the unseen things that I had connected to as a child, I was profoundly connected to the earth and still am because I grew up on a farm and I was allowed to be feral and wander around. And so I have, I have a very profound connection to the what I just call the, the global ancestral energies or the ancient energy of the earth. And all of that unseen world started to take form. And so the day after I heard the voice in the loft, I got up the next morning trying to pretend like it didn't happen, and I went into the backyard, and there was a three-foot-tall corn plant that had grown overnight in my yard. 
And I remember I, I didn't even see it. It was right in the middle of the pathway, and I was walking up to my studio, and I, I just literally, it just hit me right in the stomach. I kind of looked, and I, I remember thinking, I don't have a garden. And not there anyway. I had flower gardens at the time. And I, being the scientist, I started looking around to see if somebody had dug up a hole and planted it or something because I didn't believe that it just appeared. But it had just appeared. And uh, that, that's when I knew I was summoned and that I couldn't ignore this voice inside me anymore. And I needed to get beneath the chatter. I needed to write this book. And I needed to do something with all the images that I had collected over the years that were really wanting to be honored and seen. And so, yeah, that's kind of how the book started. And I just started going through the images and choosing ones that really sort of felt like a sledgehammer to me. And I started matching up reflections of various topics to each photograph. So each photograph in the book has a reflection. And then there's a, what I call an everyday enlightenment tip. And because I believe very firmly that enlightenment is for everyone and for every single person on the planet, and it's in every single ordinary moment just waiting to be grasped. And um, and so that's kind of a layout of the book and, and how I how I got there. And, uh, and ever since then, it's just been quite a ride. I sold my home and everything I owned and, and went on a bit of a, a journey to gather some more images, and which took me to the desert, and my car exploded um, twice. And um, that was – the desert is a powerful place. And I ended up falling in love with the desert. And uh, it was like 112 or something every day. It was really intense. And the expansion really allowed me to, to write well out there. And uh, and then that, that took me um, back home to my childhood farm. And my car blew up again. I mean, I've never, it was really a year of car issues. And uh, the car exploded after I had already had the timing belt fixed. It broke again. And there was some sort of, you know, part that was um, damaged, I guess, when they put it in in the first place. And so I was broke down in Ohio. I lived in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So I had to get to Pennsylvania. And I ended up being on what I call on a, um, on a, a eight month weekend at my father's house where I grew up and I didn't have a car for three months because it had blown up. And so spirit or the universe or whatever you'd like to call it orchestrated me learning to sit still. And that's where the final portion of the book was written. There's the books broke up into three parts. It's uh, disconnection, awakening, and then reconnection. And that reconnection occurred on my childhood farm. And that's a really, you know, interesting to take that journey through things um, because I think, you know, you're a little bit different in some ways than other people I know that you knew very then on, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and, 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 you know, those people that are listening from other areas of the country or maybe other areas of the world, you know, Pennsylvania farmland is like a whole different world. It's it's there's nothing like Pennsylvania farmland, <laughs> basically. Oh yeah, uh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Rolling green hills, 
And um, the farm I grew up on is 30 acres, but it's surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of acres on several sides. So um, you could kind of you could wander. I mean, I just literally grew a feral, and I it's a very healing place to see all that green. Mm-hmm. Unobstructed I, I, greenery. Well, and and the the interesting thing when you came back to that place too is out of out of a lot of farmlands, and I resonate with farmlands because most of my relatives on both sides of my family were farmers. Um, aunts, uncles all had farms. Matter of fact, I'll be headed into Illinois, which is where my dad grew up, and he grew up uh, in a town that has grown all the way to 500 people, um, which is massive for them. <laughs> it was, you know, nowhere near that when he grew up. And, and wow, yeah. And all, yeah, wandering the fields and all of those things, too. And, you know, watching the tornadoes go across, which is going to be interesting because I'm going to be going across the Midwest in tornado season. Um, Oh, okay. But Pennsylvania farmland, there's a different type of stillness. I mean, all farmland kind of holds the stillness to it. But Pennsylvania farmland holds a unique stillness. And, you know, probably because of some of the different belief systems, that are in that area um, that that choose to live simpler lifestyles. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, but there is definitely that uniqueness, and and it does. You can just, as you say, you can just feel it. You know, things just seem to happen in Pennsylvania that don't happen other yeah. other places. It's yeah. There's a slow a slow sort of stillness in the air. I had, I mean, growing up and leaving the farm, leaving the farm was really hard because I was really good in the woods. I had all these skills that I didn't know what to do with, like skinning a rabbit and shooting a gun and fishing and, you know, all this kind of stuff that my dad taught me. And then I go out and go to college and whatnot, and I'm like, uh, where do I fit? And and where is this stillness? And I couldn't I couldn't find an area to live in that felt the way it felt when I was young. And so I mean I've lived all over the United States and islands and all kinds of places and really wonderful places, but I was really aching to get back home and and that just took me twenty some years. <laughs> it took me twenty some years and my car exploding. But somehow I made it there, you know, and my um, my dad and I and my mom, we had a really nice time just getting to know each other as adults. And that's exciting, too, making that shift when you've been out in the world and you grow and you come back and you have a whole different realization and appreciation. And, and what's interesting, being from Pennsylvania, um, that, that warning of cancer, by the way, is very, very serious because I've had a couple of friends from Pennsylvania that had cancer of different types and uh, and, a, and a friend there that has it now. So it's, um, mm. it, it's, well, it's and with all the something. fracking and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. And they're, right. And, and so, it's, you know, those little warnings, I just was bringing that up in the sense that 
this wasn't just something you were hearing, <laughs> you know, in some crazy thoughts someplace that, you know, this was actually something that was was very real for that area and well, definitely. your generation yeah, now, and everything. Now, to clar- just to clarify that, I was actually, I mean, because you're absolutely right about about Pennsylvania and the the environment and cancer, the increasing rate of cancer and and the fracking and all of that. I mean, that's all very interesting. I was actually living in California at the time of hearing that warning, and I was teaching middle school science, which is a highly stressful job. And I had, in that eight-year period, I had seen one person die, two people have double mastectomies, and you know, just on and on. I mean, people were very, very ill in that in that career, and I just was. I knew I just needed to get out. I needed to get out, and I needed to find my own way. And as sloppy as I am, I always say that I'm very sloppy. My spiritual path is sloppy, and uh, and I mean I mean that in a fun way because I'm very human, and you know, it's like, hey, there's a lot of emotions you've got to juggle, and there's a lot of stuff you have to handle, and getting beneath the chatter, for me, it wasn't pretty, you know, there was, I wasn't all well kept in a robe and, you know, eating porridge out of a bowl in some sort of, you know, sequestered room, I mean, it was a very, just real world experience of getting beneath the chatter, and I wondered if I could read to you from, um, from the reconnection section of, uh, called The Scent of Love. Oh, sure. So the photograph that goes with this um, is, I'll see how well I can describe it. It is an open field, and it's all green, and the sky is very blue with a little little dash of tree line, and there is a crass, like a four-wheel, four-wheeler made through the high grass. So the grass is very high, and the four-wheeler made these two trails of uh, tire tracks through this grassy field and I was hiking on the farm and uh, this is what I was thinking about when I saw that picture my life had taken a few unexpected turns my first visit to the desert was rather detonative and after several days in the silent retreat I heard my wise self say go home In my typical sloppy fashion, I began to overanalyze my home. Um, Is that the childhood home, the home I just left, or is it a metaphysical home? Why the mind must stew on everything? I knew very well which home it was. The farm of my youth was calling me home. Heading east through Ohio, my car died in the middle of an intersection. The timing belt I had just replaced failed, leaving me without a car for three months. Finally, I was going to learn to sit still. I spent time unwinding karmic family relations, hunting the light, and lying in the hayfields of my youth. Basically, the timing belt was a grand scheme to assist me in becoming totally still. I sat down and heaved tears of frustration. I wanted out of here. The blather in my head was telling me I was a loser, I needed to get a good-paying job and be miserable like the rest of the planet. It was telling me to stop this incessant obsession with the light, with words, and to forget about my outrageous love affair with this infinite something I couldn't even describe or define. Then I crested the hill. I felt sucker-punched when I saw it. 
That's my life. That is the path I am on, the pathless path, following the scent of love, allowing my wise self to lead. I wasn't a loser. I was finding my own way. And then after that reading, there's an everyday enlightenment tip. And it just says to lose yourself, to slow down. And I don't just mean to walk slowly and not speak. I mean to not think and train your mind with the sensations unfolding in nature all around you. So your mind is the wind. Your mind is the rustle of the leaves. So that as you rest into these sounds, you and they become one. You lose track of your body. How do you do this? You practice. Playfully practice. Like you are going out to visit an elder. You sit down and say hello to the wind with nothing more than your awareness of its presence and of magic in the air. Make time and space for this in your life, and the world of the unseen will open up to you. And that's you know, it's a great example of how your book is set up, and it's, it's very easy to delve into um, because it is all these beautiful pictures in there, and um, and everything's just concisely put into. Um, these thoughts and these phrases and kind of like, you know, a big long-winded thing that's been summed up well, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, people people always say to me, but that's simple. And they get mad. And I'm like, would you like me to make it hard? It doesn't have to be hard. It's, it's simple. They're not necessarily easy but they are very simple, and I use them all the time. And sometimes I'll just open my book up and flip to a page and be like, you know, gee, I wonder if I'm using my, my own tips. I check on myself. And this this tip that we just talked about, about becoming the wind, I went on my walk yesterday and was practicing uh, just really, really listening to the wind and noticing the voice of each tree of where I walk because depending upon the leaves or the pine needles or what height, there's a different voice in that tree. And it's just such a fun experiment to spend that kind of presence, you know, that type of extreme focus on nature. And it really just pulls me out of my mind, out of the chatter and into the, to the present moment. And it just, I just absolutely feel so recharged after even just a you know thirty or forty minute walk. Yeah, I really agree with you, and it's something that I've been doing a lot as I've been traveling on this particular tour. Is really tuning into what is the earth saying where I'm at? What is it feeling? What's going on with it? And it's amazing how it will share with you if you if you truly get present, if you truly get into the stillness, and it's a powerful space to be. It's, it's for me. I know when I get there, it's, it's a sort of timeless space. It's a it's a space of I don't want to have to worry about anything. When you're in the present, fully and fully, there are no worries. There are no 
wondering about this or how that's going to come together. You're just experiencing. You're just experiencing it all, taking it in. And I've said it, I know, before in a couple of shows, but this is where it's at. If we're going to receive, if we're going to create, if we're going to do anything in the world, we have to be willing to be still. Yes. Yeah, and I think for some people it really terrifies them. I I don't quite understand why, although, I mean, I did go through quite a bit of what I called holy terror, but, um, you know, my mind had no intention of settling down, and I, I went in the woods on, on what I call a soft vision quest. I took myself on a, on a vision quest and uh, camped by myself for four days, and I didn't bring any paper or pencil. And for a writer, I mean, my I was flipping out. I could feel my inside my body just like flipping out that I wasn't going to have anything to write on. And because that sometimes, depending upon what place I'm writing from, it's just the idle chatter writing. And uh, by the fourth day, I had a very profound experience and just fell to my knees in absolute silence, almost like a turbine had gone off, just shut off. And but it took me it took me four days and very you know almost like just really deprecating myself of different things so that I could get that quiet and then ever since that day I just ha- it's like my balance is there and I just have to make sure I'm exercising that that balance or that muscle to keep myself in that place of stillness. Uh, it's always there, but if I get too busy, you know, especially being on the road, I can imagine how how important it would be because driving all the time and traffic, and you know, you would really need to make space for for that stillness and and for that that in, intimacy with the earth. Which, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm envious. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's seeing like giant fields, and you know, someday soon you'll see cornfields and uh, and just all in the storms and just, you know, getting to be with the moods of the earth and uh, spending that quiet time to to have that presence with you is, yeah, in all the different environments because you're getting to travel. You know, that's just love. That's just uh, lovely. <laughs> and, you know, what you're expressing is really a lot about what beneath the chatter is about. It's, you know, when we can get there, it's kind of like hitting the reset button um, on ourselves and being able to find that balance. And, you know, the principles are really, really simple, but as you say, it's not always easy to implement those principles um, or to implement getting to that stillness. Not everybody, I can hear a lot of people going, Oh, that's great. Well, you know, like I have four days to go vision quest, <laughs> you know, to get there. And sometimes I think... Well, it's, it's, you know, it's life-changing. I would recommend it. <laughs> I highly recommend it. And my vision quests are kind of fun because I call them soft vision quests because I like, you know, you eat lightly and stuff like that. But, um, you know, what happens is people let that reset button, this is what I find anyway, we let it get buried and we we it's so far underneath everything it's so far beneath the chatter you have to become like uh an archaeologist you know you're like unearthing yourself that's what happened to me anyway it was it wasn't just oh you know I'll sit here for 5 minutes and I'll, I'll soon I'll calm down no way i mean 
this went on for years. That four day period in the in the in the forest was the culminating sort of thing, but that was years it took me years of sitting on rocks in the creeks and stuff in California and, and again, not bringing anything with me and sitting on these little boulders for five and six hours without moving until my mind just stopped talking because it just, it wouldn't. It was like, oh, look at the water, look at the fish, oh, it's so hot, oh, this is uncomfortable. I mean, it just had something to say about everything. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, it was incredible. I was like, I had no idea I was such an observant human being, but apparently I, I noticed everything let's look at the wind. How about that? What if we drum? You know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And all I wanted to do was experience not having a thought. And so, yeah, that went on for years. That was not an easy journey at all. And, of course, like I said, I was very sloppy and it's humorous. (laughs) I love to tell the stories uh, because I think when we laugh at ourselves, we heal. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I can understand some people say, you know, oh, I don't have that kind of time. And, And that's why I call them every day enlightenment tips because I even talk about using the time when you're brushing your teeth as a period of meditation, you could focus on the sound that is occurring when you're brushing your teeth because it is meditative. It's a repetitive sound. Anything that's repetitive sounds, they they just assist me in getting out of my head. So there's moments you can tuck it in there. I, you can you can find places to um, to find that peace. I I agree, and and I think that you know you, you had mentioned earlier too about all the programming you had to break, you know, of what you should be and what everybody thought was the success and this and that and and the direction you should go. And and I actually teach a workshop on breaking programming <laughs> like that. Oh, That's perfect. one of the ones on my tour this year because we're so used to accepting that programming. And American programming says you can't ever stop working. You've got to be constantly busy, constantly doing, and you know, now your norm is 80 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. But in other countries, they make you take vacation. They make you get away places. And they pay for it because they understand the value of getting beneath this chatter, of getting out of the head. And, you know, I've worked in for an adventure company in a national park, Zion National Park, one couple of seasons. And we get a lot of Europeans come to the national parks. Um, and and they don't go and go someplace like Vegas, necessarily, where there's all this busyness and chatter going on. They go to the national parks. And everything gets set aside. You know, they, they don't have themselves glued to the cell phone. They're like, what canyon can I go down? And let's, let's overnight it in the Narrows. And, it, I mean, it's a whole different thing and I think it's so important for us to consider reprogramming that. You know, we think about wow, two and a half hours a day is a lot. But if we break it up and we do fifteen minutes while we're brushing our teeth or we do, you know, fifteen minutes before we even get out of bed in the morning to just be still. And fifteen minutes at the end of the day and eventually, you know, these little segments do it. And it's part of why we see so much happen for a lot of different cultures. Because you you look at some of the East Indian cultures, they they pray. They take five minutes out of every hour and pray. Mhm. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, we're definitely. I don't know. We're 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 like the food pyramid. We're we're upside down. We're something something definitely got flipped around, and and what we what we sort of pay homage to isn't really the correct thing. Yes, and 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 we wonder why we're not manifesting things, or why we're such a country of dust. Well, we're not connected. <laughs> it's really as simple yes. as that. We're just not connected as a whole. No, yes, um, definitely not connected. I mean, I, I grew up with this very strong, wise voice inside of myself, and I had it for a good 30 years, and then, like I said, man, I bought into what I just call the, you know, the human condition, and it was like, wow, did I get off track. And that just started, you know, making, I don't know, I guess money my god, if you want to call it that or whatever, and this process of writing the book really forced me to to just reconstruct my life one little piece at a time, and, you know, and I'm still doing it. I mean, it's always a part of my journey is reconstructing i can't say you know the the, that it's been fully built but it's always a part of the the adventure and i'd like to just share an everyday enlightenment tip from one of the readings in the book that is how i like to start my day and i'll because you mentioned even if you just did 15 minutes in the morning well i invite people that are listening to just do five minutes in the morning and i always tell people Um, to do this before they even open their eyes in bed. You know, if they have a a partner that's in bed with them, tell them, don't touch me in the morning because if if I'm just laying there, I'm working on my five-minute me time, and I don't want to be interrupted, you know. So here it is. I I call this the five-minute me. Before opening your eyes in the morning, say good morning to your wise self. You can greet yourself in any way you feel called. The important thing is to breathe slowly into your heart and take a moment to feel the expansion into your chest. Sink into this tingly feeling as you say your morning affirmation to yourself. When this is done daily, it has lasting effects. To give you an idea, here is a sample affirmation. Good morning, wise self. I create a day where I am an invitation of love for others, where I respond to life rather than react to it, where I am aware of what is driving my thoughts, words, and actions. I am in my heart center, and I am coming from a place of love. Then, with whatever hand feels good to you, pat your heart, three times while saying, I am connected, I am connected, I am connected. Thank you for the magical day I am about to have. So that's my invitation to everybody. It's it's a great way to start the day. Um, Too many people just get up and jump out of bed and get started immediately, you know, or they wait until they've got to be out the door in 10 minutes <laughs> and right. jump out of bed and try right. to do everything. And I've never been one of those persons like, I I really don't like rushing in the morning. Like, I don't, oh, I don't like to feel my, like I have yeah, to rush out the door. 
least favorite activities is rushing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, for me, it's like I always like to just lay for a while and be connecting or be tuning in to the energy of the day, what I'm feeling as I'm waking up or just just laying, just laying and taking it in. Um, it's really powerful. Now, you mentioned actually in that passage uh, from your book that that you'll experience benefits. What kind of benefits could people maybe expect to see once they start to implement this as a as a practice? I find I, I can totally tell the difference on the days I forget to do it or those days where I, I jump up out of bed because my alarm didn't go off or, you know, whatever host of activities happen. And I I will get to my car or maybe I'm already, you know, into my a session with a client or something and I realize I feel off center. I feel flat, you know, kind of frantic. I feel a little bit frenzied, scattered, whatever the word you'd like to use is. And I have often just done a do over, you know, if I could go to my car or maybe go to the restroom or somewhere to find those quiet five minutes and just start over. I reprogram it. I just go back and I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's one fifteen in the afternoon. And it took me that long to realize that I've been out of balance all morning. Uh, I just start over right there and I will go into myself and I'll do my greeting and my five minute knee and start again, sort of repositioning myself. And I can completely feel the difference of feeling more in the center of my body. That's the best way of explaining it is that the body, the physical body has the feeling in it and I can feel my attention right in the center of my body and I don't feel out of balance or off kilter or out of whack or however you'd like to to say that. I feel solid and like right in the middle of myself so as things are flying at me throughout the day, whether it's decisions or, you know, some sort of difficult conversation or something, I'm in that place where I can come from a fully present place and I can respond to the moment rather than reacting to the moment. I I find that I'm able to respond more rather than react when I take that time in the morning to say good morning to my own self. Yeah, I, I can really agree with that. And I think that... Uh, that that aspect of being able to respond, I find my days just flow a little bit better uh, when I've taken that morning time. Uh, I find that uh, it's just a little more peacefulness, maybe a little more confidence about the day, a little less worrying <laughs> about yes <laughs> what might go wrong during the day. Uh, in there, I think, and and I think over time as well, what I've noticed is that it's like anything, you're setting the pattern. You're setting the pattern forward in your life, and the more frequently this is done, the more that flow stays continuous. Uh, we're always going to probably have a little upset here or there. It's going to come our way or a little challenge. It's going to come our way. kind of looks like we've got a little noise going on here. But, um, <laughs> but it, it definitely will get to a point where those become less and less challenging to us and all of that. Exactly. 
because it's, it's just like you're just simply building a relationship with your center or yourself or your wisdom or whatever, you know, how everybody responds to their, themselves in a different way, but you're building a relationship with that center, peaceful, still spot in yourself. And, you know, we go to the gym and we lift weights and we, we swim and we bike and we do all these things to build our muscles, but we don't build that muscle which is the relationship to that stillness in ourselves. And we really, I just call it building the muscle. We need to take time, even I mean, even two minutes would be fine, to just take time and just breathe into your center, into your heart, and say good morning. Good morning, the great, you know, great wisdom that I am. I, I look forward to hanging out with you today. Let's go have a magical day. I mean, it could be as lighthearted as you want it to be. It doesn't have to be um, a big dramatic event. But I think taking time and, and breathing and building that that attention, the muscle of the attention is, is the relationship. And um yeah. now um as far as like let's say people that that um you know they're doing this and they're taking that time but they're still maybe not realizing or seeing or hearing, you know, the messages that are coming through or they're, they're, they're not noticing much in their day. I mean, certainly practice, practice, practice. <laughs> is right. Do you have other tips for that? Because I know that happens a lot for people. They, they try something, they get into their space, and then they... You know, they're just not seeing the results. You know, they they get excited about doing something, and then they're just not getting the results that they'd like to see. Do you have some right. suggestions for people like that? Yes, definitely. You know, first off, this was like a 15-year process for me. It took me six years to actually physically write the book and get it and publish it and all that. But it was a 15-year journey easily from – from, you know, being very ill, actually. I was really ill when I was teaching school, and, and I was rhythmically sick. That's what I call it. I, every month I was just really, really, really sick. And so I went from that point um, and, you know, heard the voice about cancer and on and on, selling my house, getting a divorce. I mean, this was a 15-year sort of reconstruction. It didn't happen overnight. And I can tell you that I wanted to get beneath the chatter more than anything it ever wanted in my entire life. I mean, it was it was sort of being divinely possessed. If it, I think that would be the best way of describing it. And, and I took that so seriously that I infiltrated that into every moment of my life. And, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not um, a wealthy person. I, I literally sold everything I owned so that I could survive for a period of time and, and have a bit of a process, um, but everything was like um, a junkyard dog. You know what I'm saying? I was really on guard with with myself. I watched my mind constantly, and being a having the science background, I just did like an experiment on myself until I really got myself 
to the place where I, I wanted to be. And now I'm sort of in the, the daily maintenance program, you know, because it never really ends. Somebody said to me one day, oh, so you still have chatter? And I started cracking up laughing. I was like, I haven't just transcended the human state. You know, I still have chatter. It's just much more manageable. Um, some days it's not there at all. For days on end, it's not there. And then something will happen and there'll be chatter, you know. So it comes and goes. Uh, but before I was so in it, I didn't even know that it was there. It, it was so blinding. Uh, um, but to really, I also think coming from various angles is very important. I do a lot of energy work, and so I was doing a lot of energy work on myself. I was getting acupuncture. I was doing massage. You know, um, and just I had a, I have and still work with my my spiritual guide, and so, you know what I mean? So I was consulting someone. I, I mean, I really was kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, attacking it from all angles. And the energy work I found was really powerful to move myself through various emotions that were maybe keeping me stuck. And so I would work on myself doing energy work um, pretty much daily, and I still do. I start every day off when I'm doing that five-minute me. I just give myself some, do some energy work, look, you know, and check and see my aura or whatnot. And I cleanse that and I ask for what I want and then boom, I'm up and, I, and I'm running. But I do invite people to look at various ways that may assist them. I didn't read, that I can tell you. I, I did not read. I, I was very guided to not read and I did not read a book for years and years and years and years I was told clearly in meditations that all the answers were within me so I did not look outside myself and it was a really rough journey I mean besides my spiritual guide and some people that were consulting with me I wasn't reading and I know a lot of people like to read and and of course here I here I wrote a book and I'm like don't read but there's different kinds of reading there's the kind of reading where you're trying to figure something out and then there's the kind of reading that will knock you over the head. And I wrote a book that I feel knocks you over the head and ignites your fire to move through things because it does take big concepts and break them down into something very simple instead of trying to digest an entire book that is a huge concept. I don't, I'm, I'm hoping that that makes sense to people. But it's So there is a sort of a coming from various angles, trying various things, and you know, there's that dedication uh, component to uh, to anything that we do. Yeah, and and I, you know, I think it's a good point. There are these different phases of, you know, building up to it, being in a maintenance space on it. Um, you know, certainly there's less chatter for me now than there was, you know, so many years ago <laughs> in things. Um, and, and it just shifts and changes. That's what I noticed. It, it shifts and changes what the chatter is, um, how long I stay in the space or don't stay in the space or that sort of, of aspect to it. Um, and and I, I agree with you in a sense that, you know, yeah, reading can be good on some levels uh, when we're trying to learn something. But, you know, as you say, really all the answers are inside of us. All the answers are in nature if we'll, if we'll take the time to be still enough and listen and look. Um, a lot of people want that insight right now and, you know, don't make me work for it. <laughs> thing. Oh, um, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> and, you know, and the reading 
can can actually be a distraction, even when it's a learning process. I, I find that sometimes it just sends the mind spiraling into more things. And I know a lot of people, they'll read a lot of things, and then they don't do anything with it. It, it never goes to action, or they just read it, and then then their mind is picking away on 10,000 different things. Um, exactly. Yeah, and the book, and, that's and, why I did the photography. That's why I made it contemplative photography because we are, most people, it's a, there's a huge percentage of people in, in the world that are visual learners. And some of the images are so powerful, or at least I find them to be powerful, and I've had people just look at the images and start to cry because they don't even know what the reading is about. The image says it all. They, they've got the message. They didn't have to read and cloud and clog the mind anymore with any more words. And so that's why I find the, the pairing of short re- reflections with powerful images to be a great tool. And then, of course, having the everyday enlightenment tip is just another tool that's in the book. And, you know, and, and I was actually going to have you, you just explained what I was going to ask, which was, you know, why do you think a picture is worth a thousand words? <laughs> And for me, too, pictures are just part of the universal language. You know, it doesn't matter what language you're speaking. If you look at a picture, we all know what it what it is. You know, there's no confusion or mistaking things. And uh, you know, actually, actually, somebody I know, you know, he he is uh, in the technical field in the computer world, <laughs> so to say. And and that can be a whole other great example. You know, everything operates on a zero or a one. You know, it's on or it's off. <laughs> and it's that simple. And we're either on or we're connected or we're not. Um, but he, he brought up some points recently when I connected with him in person that we have all the stimulus coming into us constantly, every day, uh, at any given moment. And our mind actually is a drawing in more than one thing will actually get confused. It will actually create conflict, and that creates conflict in our energy vibration. But when we stop and we look at a picture, like you've taken a picture, we're not getting all of that extra stimulus coming in. It's not like we're sitting there trying to say, does the word mean this or does it mean that? And when you look at a picture, it's like, what's it about for you? It doesn't even have to be exactly the same as somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, it's open for interpretation. And sometimes, you know, the title helps people. They like the title with the photo. And and sometimes they don't even need the title. And sometimes there's a little uh, sort of like a poem or something. I'm not quite sure what to call them because they just kind of come flying into my head like short prose and that go with each image. And sometimes for people, the the picture in just that short little bit of prose is all they need, and maybe that day they don't need the reflection. So there are there's many ways to interact with the book that I feel are very simple to use every day, especially that are really busy. And that you know that's the target that I wrote it for because that's kind of how I am too. You know, I I I don't want to spend my life trying to figure something out. And I don't want to spend my life reading about something. And (laughs) 
So, you know, I wanted to experience it. And I like a sledgehammer with a, a velvet glove over it. You know, the, the iron fist is a velvet glove, and that's kind of how, um, that's how I laid out the book for more, for more of immediate effect. <laughs> yes, yes, and it, and it is. It's, it is just very easy going, and it's one of those things that when your mind is overwhelmed, you can stop and open it up, like you say, and just grab a, a one little piece there, you know, or uh, just grab one little insight that's there. But also, what about the people, you know, because and, and there are people like this that are afraid of being still. It's not just, hey, I'm challenged by being still, but I'm afraid to get still. I'm afraid to let go of all of this chatter. What right, what advice right. or suggestions would you have for it? those people? Um, yeah, um, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but I was just saying, uh, because who am I without it? So once all the chatter is gone, what's left, right? And I did, I went through this incredible, I, I call it holy terror, and um, I'm not quite sure which which re- reading that goes with. For some reason, it's I'm drawing a blank, but um, where every time I started to get quieter, or I was sitting, you know, this is the one where I was sitting on rocks a lot and down by the water in the creeks in California. And just because the rushing water, the sound of the water helped me soothe my, my mind. And I could sit there and have something to focus on without it being something that caused me to make observations. So, you know, if I were looking at trees or something, I would be making observations. But if I were just listening to water, that, that rhythmic sound helped just wash uh, wash it away. But there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear because um, part – and, I mean, I could use more, like, specific terms, I suppose. Some, most people would say, oh, the ego's – the ego feels like it's dying and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it I mean, it really is a death, it, but it's really more like a changing of the guard. You know, the mind isn't uh, white-knuckled on the helm of my life anymore. I'm taking it and saying, you need to sit next to me because I'm driving now. And if you want to call that your spirit or your heart or you, you the adult you or the self-realized you or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, that bigger you, that wise you steps forward and is the one driving. So as that shift occurred, there was holy terror because the part of me that used to be driving and white knuckled on the helm of my life would just steer in me in fear. I mean, that, that, those voices were steering me in fear. You've got to get a good job. You're going to this, this, this is what's going to happen. I mean, all this projecting into the future and it, it was incredible, the amount of fear. And I just, you know, I used a variety of methods. Um, I guess maybe I tend to be a little bit, um, well, I I always say I'm a warrior of love, and and the people that work with me are warriors of love too. But, you know, I just sort of dive into it. But I also was doing energy work on myself, and and I do offer those sessions for people uh, long distance over the phone and in person and, and but and I was also working with acupuncture and I was working with my my guide and I was working you know so to move through that fear because it was very real and palpable and um, debilitating sometimes and so that is part of it is having that fear of being still and the fear of 
getting quiet, and then it's like, well, what's going to happen then, you know? Um, and learning to just manage it. It is something that has to be managed. I, I think so, and I think, too, for a lot of people I know, um, it's like it's like any fear. I think sometimes just starting with the very small pieces, you know, starting uh, – and, and the ocean was always a great place for me to get still and to get clear. I, I know growing up in California on the coastlines and, and once I was in college, I oftentimes would drive and sit on the rocks at the, at the ocean um, near Malibu uh, frequently in the evening. And because there was nobody there, you know, I was just a little bit north out of the, the where the restaurants and everything were, and I would just sit there and let go um, with any of it. But I also know in my own process that when there's fear related to something, doing it in small increments. You know, if you if you're scared to get into that still space, just just try it for. 30 seconds, and then maybe a minute, and then go to two minutes, and then five minutes, um, because oftentimes it's something that we've never experienced, I think. Uh, right. That we just to be well, afraid you don't of it. Know, yeah. like, like you say, a lot of people are afraid of discovering what's there in that stillness. Oh, my gosh, does that mean i got to deal with me now? And I think maybe right. even just giving right. ourselves the permission to be still and not have to deal with us. Um, yes. Can be There's really nothing to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a beautiful, um, a beautiful reminder. Take nibbles. You know, nibble, nibble on the elephant. As, as a very good, uh, one of my guys always tells me, uh, nibble on the elephant. He was the dean at my the seminary I went to, and he'd say, Tina, you're you're trying to eat the whole thing again. And I, and he was always right. You know, yes, just take small little digestible pieces. And the other point I want to make is that you don't have to just sit. I am a very high-energy person, and I believe firmly in moving and moving and meditating at the same time. So if, I, if I'm biking, I listen to the cadence of the rhythm of the chain, and I do my best to just focus on that. And eventually the, the chatter stops. It sometimes takes 20 minutes or so, but, you know, uh, if you're doing yoga, the breath is going to get you there. I, you know, maybe you're playing golf. Maybe you're cooking dinner. Maybe you're cutting hair. Uh, that one might not be good because you don't want to lose your focus. But, um, you, you know, all I'm saying is the everyday type of activities can be also – somebody said to me once, what about playing video games? I find I lose my my – the chatter when I'm really in the game because I'm so focused and you know and it just feels really divine and I'm like well then play more video games there are there are activities that get the body moving that help the mind relax and and assist us in in finding that stillness so I encourage uh, walking I mean that's a simple one so I encourage that too but the, the difference is the trick is if you're going to use walking or something you have to be diligent about what you focus on while you're doing it. So for me, on my walk yesterday, it was the wind, and I did my best. You know, if I started thinking about the paint on a house and how pretty it was or the flowers, I would bring myself back to the wind. 
and and that was my meditation. So it can be done and, in a variety of ways. And and that's a good thing, just going out and walking, because I'm very prone getting out into nature and walking, and, and I believe very strongly in that because it, it helps a lot just naturally on its own. However, if your mind is off wondering about this and wondering about that and analyzing something else, um, right. You it's know, not you're kind of the purpose. And what's interesting is, yes, you want to take that thing and and shift your focus and say, what does it sound like when my feet are hitting the ground or when I'm walking? What is the sound of my pace? What is the sound of my walking? Now we're getting beneath the chatter um, in those exactly. processes. Exactly. And this, I think, is very very important because in today's society. We have a lot of people that are dealing with various forms of autism, uh, whether they're fully autistic or whether they're high-functioning autism or whether they are um, sensory processing disorder. This is a really huge thing because for them, most of the time, their minds never shut down. Um, their, their minds mm. are like a remote control that is on high-speed clipping. And... Wow, yeah. I I have friends that are in this space. I have a niece that borders some of these same things with her dyslexia. And my autistic friends often say, I've got to go play games right now because I have to shut my mind down. Um, And they have to get out of it. So these techniques are actually very important as a society now because uh, we do have so many people that are in this high intelligence, high functioning space uh, with their mind able to process. And the indigos are very much like this if we look at soul grouping. Um, so this is this is a really important technique for the, you know, for our society as a whole. Yeah, and I think it's really important to to really allow yourself to create and craft your very own process and path. I think it's very important that if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, and you find something that works for you. Maybe you make cupcakes and you do the icing on the cupcakes and the decorating of all of that, and for whatever reason, when you're doing that, it is so divine and peaceful and you can't hear anything and you lose track of your body and you just have such a magnificent time with the colors and the smells and there's there don't judge yourself and say oh but i should be meditating that is meditating any anything that you're that present with to me that's meditating and i think it's really important and beautiful when we allow ourselves and each other to truly craft our own way and i think that's a very important for upcoming generations, again, that are dealing with these various things um, as far as functioning goes. And they they need that creativity. A lot of them are very creative, and they need that flexibility to do it their way, to adjust it. And for so many years, people said, you have to meditate this way, and meditating is the only way to shut your mind down, or you have to do Tai Chi. But they need that flexibility to to make it theirs. So I'm really glad that you brought that point out. Um, I, I want to bring in something that you know is another piece of your background 
and just have you share a little bit on that. You've got a degree in biology and you've done interfaith ministry. How does that play in to the work you're doing and maybe how has that helped you with the work that you're doing? Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. I, uh, growing up on a farm, you know, I was so naturally inquisitive and I was all, I always had something in my pocket that, that I found that I was going to bring in the house and, um, and, to, and my dad was very into the environment. So it was very, you know, just such a natural thing to be exploring. And that, then going to school and going to, to uh, college for that and, and, and having different jobs in that and, it just made me look closer and closer and closer at life. And you just start deconstructing, you know, life itself. You get to the cellular cellular level and so on and so on. And then it's just like, oh, my gosh. And you start to really, at least I did, I started to really just see the mystery and the magic because science was just blowing my mind, basically. And as that expanded for me then became then came the questions about well who am i and and you know wh- where is this thought coming from and all these kinds of questions so science it just sort of led me into it i guess in a way and when i got into teaching that was when it really all kind of hit the fan my students were my gurus uh by hands down those kids were utterly amazing and I, the first day of school, I tell this funny story, the first day of school, I thought I was really clever, and so I wrote on the board, the only rule is self-control, and then, like, partway through the day, I realized that that rule applied to me, too, and it was like, ha-ha, the joke's on you, and all this uh, self-leadership tools started coming and I really discovered and started teaching infused into my science curriculum what I call the science of self and my students were fascinated with understanding their personalities more and understanding you know the behavior and how to control themselves how do you control yourself what what does that mean to have a better attitude because teachers would tell them uh, I, I need to have a, you know, you need to have a better attitude. And they'd come to me and say, what does that mean? And so we'd talk about it. And how do you have a better attitude? How do you navigate emotions that are in you? And, and so that self-leadership piece is huge. And I really want to tie that in to my interface work because I believe that self-leadership is in every single moment of every day. So if and it doesn't matter the way you look at the world, it doesn't matter what you wish to um, revere. You can have all your beliefs, and and I would love it if we all added on that piece of self leadership and self control because I I give a talk called communicating from chaos to, into love, and I really have started targeting going to speak at different churches. And bringing in my my message, my interfaith message of, you know, believe in in anything you wish. And and could we have some self-awareness about about these self-leadership tools of self-control within our conversation so that we can have more compassion 
within a conversation and between each other, whether you're at the bank or you're you're in the grocery store line or you're speaking to, you know, a teacher at school or whatever. And so that's that's kind of the journey that I went on from science into into interfaith ministries and the the speaking that I do and uh, really just wanting to ignite the world with self-leadership tools, tips, and tales. And because I do believe, in, in my experience, that's the way to everyday enlightenment. I mean, what a great rule. I could just imagine if my teachers had just put that rule on the chalkbook. <laughs> or, you know, on every... It, was, it, freaked that would have been like, it, it freaked them out. It freaked them out, yeah. It was seventh grade. Yeah, it really freaked yeah. them out. It'd be like, oh, cool, just one little, oh, wait, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a that. little, I, I had a little boy raise his hand, I'm not kidding you, and he said, um, does that mean we get to do anything we want? And this little girl raised her hand and she said, no, it means she's a teacher like we've never had before. I've never will forget it. It was my first year of teaching, and I and I thought, what did I sign up for? I think I signed up for something much bigger than I realized, and I did. I mean, those those eight years of my life teaching middle school science transformed me completely, better than any trip to India could have ever done, or or anything. I mean, I've done all sorts of traveling and adventure travel, and um, and that that eight year period was uh, by far. Uh, in a very intense uh, process of learning about myself. Well, you know, I'm a firm believer of integrated approaches and bringing things home to people, and especially when you're trying to teach something or share something, especially with kids who don't have a huge attention span. Let's face it, they they got chatter all over the place. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they got things and, to do. <laughs> If they got things to do, you know, conversations to have, people to meet, whatever. But it really is interesting when you start to make it personal. And this is something that we probably really need to be thinking about in our educational system is this integrated approach of making it personal because that's where they're going to start listening. You know, I would be thinking, you know, okay, we're doing biology. So, you know, how, um, you know, how do you feel about this energy of of the frog or whatever uh, there, you know, how do you relate to it? And that's going to tell you a whole lot about yourself. You know, uh, you know, do you are you more like the oak leaf or are you more like the willow tree? You know, what what is it? Um, there's so much connection to be made that could be rock home personal. And I I think about that and I think how powerful that could be because so many kids don't even have that in the families anymore. You know, we used to, when I was growing up, there was personal time. There was connecting time. Uh, And that doesn't happen much anymore or not in too many families anymore. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, there has to be, I think the piece that was missing that that my students loved so much was I taught them to to understand themselves. And nobody did that for me really as a kid. I mean, I I was a very and still am a contemplative person, so I was always naturally looking inside myself and asking questions like, well, why am I doing that? Why am I so mad? Why am I, uh, what am I really hungry for? You know, I'd, I, I would naturally ask myself questions. 
But and I thought everybody did, but I'm I found that not everybody's naturally contemplative. Not everyone naturally asks themselves questions to get to know themselves. And so as I taught them that, I really found that was a huge piece missing in their home life because parents are super busy. You know, there's just all sorts of um, different family dynamics now. And that piece of really, like you're saying, taking a little time and, and, and breaking down the day or, or if you had a bad moment in, at school, well, let's look at that. Why did that happen? You know, what did you say that may have caused this? And, you know, all that kind of deconstructing so you can understand so you could do better the next time. Instead, I found kids just felt bad about themselves all the time. They just bet, beat themselves up. You know, I'm I'm a loser, or I'm not smart, or or I'm I have I'm really a bad kid, or whatever it was, because that that understanding wasn't there, so that they could then make a better step next day. I agree. There's so much low self worth programming that goes on that they're not taught to ask the questions. They're just kind of taught. It's it's a real concept for a lot of the, the kids that are coming up because on one hand they're taught you don't ask questions and you don't, you know, uh, go against the grain. You just do what you're told sort of thing. And on the other hand, there are these creative spirits who can't possibly follow the norm and they're constantly trying to break the norm. So they're constantly operating on this conflict vibration uh, <laughs> that's there. You know, and, and then we wonder, well, why don't you pay attention, and why why are you all over the place scattered? Well, you know, there you go. But um, right, right. It's, and and, and it's very love... few people. Oh, go right ahead. I was just going to say, I found that it was few people that were teaching the how of something. You know, you could say to somebody, "Have a better attitude," but how do you do that? If you're a seventh grader, how do you actually have a better attitude? What does that mean? And what tools are available so that you could have a better attitude? And so I would talk with them about the how, and I would give them some tools. I'd let them go sit with the tree outside my room and, you know, spend a few minutes. Just hug the tree. Give it your anger. It'll take it and turn it into love. It's fine. The earth's huge. Come back in when you're done. And they always said they felt better. And, you know, they would always then reintegrate back into the class. And I mean, I wouldn't leave them out there very long, two, three minutes, you know, and they, they'd come back in. And But it was that how that gave them the empowerment to, to respond to life rather than reacting. See, it would have been hard for me because I would have just been out hugging the tree the entire day. <laughs> I, I had a teacher there that once when I, I hugged the tree. <laughs> I had a teacher once when I was, like, in first grade or second grade, somewhere around that time, and they told me something that, like, if I didn't – I had a speech impediment when I was really young, and and part of it was from when I was born in Texas, I carried over this southern accent, and instead of letting me have that southern accent, they put me into speech therapy stuff and all these things. So anyways, this teacher, I didn't want to get up and speak in front of the class. One uh, one day, and the teacher says, "Well, if you don't speak in front of the class, you are going to have to sit there in that chair the whole day. Like you can't go out to recess and things like that." So you know what? I sat there the entire day. I did not move, and 
I didn't care. I was perfectly happy <laughs> sitting there all by myself <laughs> in my chair. And it, the teacher had no clue what to do with me after that because it was like she called my mom in and, you know, and she says, well, I got to give her credit. She she obeyed, you know. I told her what the consequence was and she chose the consequence. And she took it and she did it. And, but, you know, I don't know what to do with this child. So it was really a, a weird we're twist uh, in some of those methodologies. But, you know, I would love for you to spend a couple of minutes here sharing with people how they can connect with you, maybe anything that you have going on uh, where they can connect with you, um, you know, any services or anything like that that you're, you're offering for people to work with you. Sure. Yeah, I um, of course Facebook is is there, and I have a YouTube page which has a lot of different videos on it. Some from speaking in, engagements, some um, where I'm just talking about different topics, and so that's available if people are interested in seeing, uh, you know, two to five minute I think videos. Uh, my website has some different things on it to read. Of course, my book is available on on Amazon, and it's also available on my website. And then in addition to that, I offer what I call revved up sessions. And those are more like strategy sessions where we can work together and, and create a strategy for, the, for you to move forward and move through things that are maybe sticking you or have you stuck somewhere. And I also offer energy work and facilitate energy work. And so and some people do a combination of that. They'll come and say, okay, we're going to talk for for maybe the first half an hour or the first hour, and we're going to talk about this issue that I'm having and I want to move through, and then I'll do an hour of energy work on them to to assist them in moving in moving through that. And I find what what I find unique about what I do is that I give homework. <laughs> it's that teacher in me. I really like to empower people. They can be working and uh, moving through things when they're not with me in a session. So I always send a uh, a detailed follow up email after a session so that they have next steps to take while we're not together. And, you know, sometimes they're quick and easy and sometimes it might take them a while to chew on that, digest that. And, um, and you know, sometimes they have to, you know, take a picture of this and text it to me and show me that you did your, your work. Or So there's a, a level of accountability so that people will move forward. So those are two, two different sessions. There's the revved up session and there's the energy work. Or you could combine the two together, and so and that's detailed out on my uh, website, which has a couple different videos of me on it talking about some of the different ways. And then I do a lot of different speaking, and um, I'm always looking for places that are interested in hosting me as a speaker. It could be a church or a women's group or a men's group or you know a bookstore, an independent bookstore, so that I could come and and give a talk there. I am working on um, a small uh, book tour, so I have a couple different bookstores lined up here in North Carolina, in Waynesville, North Carolina, and Silva, North Carolina, and I'll be going down to Greenville, South Carolina. So I'm starting sort of my southeastern portion. So there's always um, always that too. I I would be uh, be happy to um, to do that as well. Right. So so lots of options there, and 
you know, again, share your website. So, yeah, so my website is tinafirewolf.com. And uh, it has my email and phone number and all that stuff in there. And, and, you know, feel free to contact me in any way. We can just chat chat briefly and uh, see if there's a connection, if you have some questions or whatnot. I'd be happy to talk with anyone. Great. And also, if you could get people to walk away with something today, you know, just if there's just one piece you could you could get them to get. <laughs> Or to take away with them, what would that be? Um, I think it would be to love yourself right where you're at, any way you're showing up, in every single moment of every day, you're perfect. So, you know, oh, I wish I were further along my path or whatever it is. Um, you know, just say, oh, thank you for that chatter. You know, thank your chatter and love it. And just let it ask it to sit down next to you and go about your day. Just love the chatter. Love it. Feed it love and love and feed it lots of love because it just is trying to help. It's just trying to keep us safe. Um, It's just trying to orchestrate our day. Um, It doesn't quite realize, perhaps, that it's not the boss. And so if if you want it to realize it's not the boss, love it. Love it, love it, thank it, love it, honor it, and ask it to sit down. Wonderful. And and I think that is a, a big thing, when we can love the things that sometimes bother us or unsettle us or keep us in those frantic sort of spaces, <laughs> then, then <laughs> we've really made a breakthrough just in that piece. And, you know, you've got to think about just the nature of chatter and its job a little bit, I think, when we look at at loving it. And, you know, how fun is it for chatter? I mean, on one hand, I'm sure it sits there and has fun and plays like, oh, look at, look at all the thoughts I'm going to cause into this person's head, you know. But then on the yeah. other hand of it, you know, that's not an easy job to be chatter, to have to sit there constantly going in somebody's head all of the time, uh, you know, creating this in their life just so that they'll, take that step of getting silent and getting connected again. So, you know, thanking it, loving it for the job it's doing, even if it challenges you. <laughs> I yes, think it's, definitely. It's yeah, and, and so. have compassion for for yourself. You know, if you're in fear, you know, the chatter is a fearful thing nine times out of ten, at least I found. And um, And have compassion for the fear that we naturally feel. Mm-hmm. And it, that Absolutely. compassion and love, it shifts it. Absolutely. I, I so agree. Well, you know, it's, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today, Tina. And, uh, you know, certainly you've, you've made some points that I think are very important points for people to do and, and shared your experiences. That You know, it's not always easy and it's not always a... Um, the joy ride, and it, and it does take time, and it does take practice to get to these different points. And, and you have beautiful photography in your book, and I encourage people to go and check that out and to, um, you know, and to see, see what it's about. Because the simple things like what you've produced in that book are, are the things we need to be implementing in our life <laughs> or just around ourselves, yeah. I believe. 
Yeah, definitely. Yep. Keep it simple. Have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, be be loving with yourself. All, all the photos that are on my website, there's some of some of the photos on my website actually are in the book. So if you're curious about what they look like, or they're on my Facebook page and things like that. Um, and that my photos are actually also available on fineartamerica.com. So if um, people want to look at the photos, uh, they're available for purchase at fineartamerica.com as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure to have you with us here on Activating Compassion Radio. Oh, it's been super fun. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. And coming up next week on Activating Compassion Radio, I'm going to have with us Jackie Lappin, and she's going to be taking, we're going to take a look at her work in marketing yourself. But this is really great. If you are an author or a speaker or a presenter or you thought about going into some of these areas and you're wondering how to go about doing it because I know a lot of people in, in different fields, maybe even if you're you know, a spiritual worker or a body worker or a healer or whatever it is, um, she's going to have some really, really great tips on how to market yourself. And it's not all about spending the money, by the way. It's, it's about just really presenting yourself as well. So if you thought that you'd like to create your own work or share your own work with the world, you're going to want to tune into that show and learn the tips that she has for doing this. My books are available and out there. Uh, you can purchase them through Smashwords for the ebook version. You can go to Amazon.com or uh, Create Space for the, the paperback versions of those books. Uh, I am going to have some available with me on tour as well at the different locations I'm at. So, uh, again, you could connect with me and say, hey, I'm interested in picking up a book from you. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're designed for all different things. Of course, Compassion is bringing that into our everyday lives. And then the books you mean live streams are about how to understand what your partner is thinking, feeling, needing, and how to communicate in ways that strengthen your relationship and avoid the drama in it. Um, and those principles, by the way, apply to other areas of life as well, not just relationships. There are lots of events set up for this year. I am in motion with the Compassion Tour, so check those out. Um, you can connect with me. You can look at the blog. You can uh, check out the monthly videos that I do, purchase products, all of that stuff. Look at the archive shows. Um, those are all on my website, jessianenicholsgeorgethenumber1.com, and i got a lot of things coming up, as I mentioned before. I am in the Denver area this weekend, next weekend, doing workshops, taking private sessions. From there, I'm going to be headed to the Black Hills of South Dakota for a full-day Adventures of Integration uh, event. From there, I will be doing an event uh, right now. It's looking like it's in the Iowa kind of area, region in between Iowa, Illinois <laughs> area, and I'll get the details up on that soon uh, for May Day weekend, and that's, that's going to be a, a wonderful turning of the season celebration there. Uh, going from there into Galesburg, Illinois, Inner Wisdom, beautiful little store, beautiful people, uh, Liana that's there. She's just a gift uh, and a half. And I'm looking forward to presenting workshops four nights in a row there the first week of May. And from there I'll be going down into Kansas City, Missouri, and then I'll be working my way back up uh, that region and going to Traverse City, Michigan, which I'll be in Traverse City, Michigan, in the middle of June, and then from there I'll be working and wrapping around the East Coast. I have venues that are being set up in Cape Cod, 
um, Pennsylvania, a couple of different areas in Pennsylvania. I'll probably be setting something up in Ohio, um, looking at Massachusetts. I've got events that will be coming into there, Connecticut, um, New York. They're going to be all over the place. <laughs> Let's just say that. They're going to be all over the place, so you're going to have to follow them. And uh, so lots, lots of options to connect with me along the way. Uh, by the way, April special deal on my website, if you go to the home page right there, it's 50% off with the Dream and Simple Interpretation. And you can find out more about that on my website again at jessianniclesgeorge1.com. We've got several shows here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. Uh, Monday night is Randy Goldberg doing Vedic Astrology. He's a little bit on a break, but he is going to be back from what I understand. Susan Weed is on Tuesday sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. And I might actually be hosting a show or two um, while Daniel Michael, our producer of the network, is on tour with his band. <laughs> and we're going to be bringing actually hopefully his band on uh, in the upcoming month as well, Dragon's Head. And they're going to be touring all around the East Coast and going into New Orleans. And that's where we have another one of our hosts. So on Wednesday nights we have our flagship show that has Daniel and Jeanette on it. And uh, that's backed up with Spiritual Insights by Darren Bucher, who's a reader at Madame Mazzone in New Orleans. And then Kevin Baird pops his head in and out. And we're probably going to bring Kevin on a little bit later this summer, too, with a project he's been working on called New Companion uh, that's really interesting. This is Jesse Ann Nichols-George. Thanks so much for being here with me today. And thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on Penn, known as Current Encounters Network, Streamfinder, Top Stream Live, and those catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of the show. I definitely look forward to seeing you back here next week as we go more into activating compassion. Don't forget if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with that song, Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shemshai. And you can connect with all of Shemshai's work on their website at www.shemshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. They occasionally have some free downloads and things, and they just have a great realm of music there. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon
still turning The love is still burning Deep in your spirit Your heart is still yearning Thank you. Take care. Have a great weekend.